James, can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. I see Shane. Uh, I think. Um... There we go. There we go. Just simple ah, mic is, is off. Yeah. Hey, thank, thanks, guys, for having me. How are you doing today? Hey, excited. Oh, very good. good. Go ahead, James. Yeah, just uh, super excited. I think it's going to be a really fun episode. Yeah, well, we've done, uh, I've been talking about domains for probably a decade. So it's great to see all some of the, the new people in the space. And uh, it'll be fun to talk about it. It's, again, I love to kind of bring the history and the knowledge to today's uh, crypto world. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm very excited because um, it seems like you had a lot of experience with uh, numeric domains, and that's a big topic in ENS, and we would love to kind of expand on that and learn from your experience and your insights. Yeah, we went through a period, I, I, we're trying to figure out the exact dates, but uh, I think it was somewhere... Uh, 15 to 18, there was a huge Chinese movement towards numerics. And I'll let you kind of guide me where you want me to talk about it. But, you know, I've kind of sure. been through this exact thing. I mean, literally what we're talking about over the last two months is something that we went through five and six years ago and lots of drilling down and trying to figure out patterns and, and all kinds of things. And it, it was super fun and super exciting. And that's kind of you know, I said in the uh, the Domain Sherpa, it's a, a podcast that Michael Seiger started that's here in the crowd that's now with Andrew Rosner and JT. And we, we kind of uh, dove back to where we were back in those days and how much fun it was and how it really made who I am. The money I made on those four number dot coms really all led to the millions that I've made since then. Those were the first things that I made a lot of money on that I was able to invest in other domains and kind of expand on my world of, of a side hustle and digital assets. And it really came down to four number.coms is really essentially everything I am today. That's, that's amazing. Uh, we're going to dive deeper into that guys. And with that, I'm going to start uh, the intro Thank you all for joining us today. We are very excited to be here with you. This is ENS Academy. Our mission is to accelerate the adoption of ENS worldwide. We bring ENS experts and domain experts and entrepreneurs to share their knowledge with the global community. Our goal is to educate, support, and empower anyone interested in ENS. Uh, I want to thank you, Shane, for joining us today. Shane, by the way, he's a pioneer domainer. Uh, he he has uh, beehouse.com he and and countryarbor.com where he uh, kind of uh, invested and in, uh, owns those domains. I, I advise everybody here to go check them out. They're in his bio, and uh, he's also in the ENS uh, world. So that's that's what makes this very special. Um, he's as you as you heard him talk about the the. The four digit dot coms. We're going to expand on that and talk about how that, how we can learn from that with the, with ENS. So, with that, I'm going to pass it uh, to James, and we can start with the, the questions. Awesome. Uh, so, in preparation of this episode, I did a lot of research. Um, I kind of observed that Shane, you seem to be quite a competitive person, uh, competitive athlete, uh, multiple ventures. Would you say that's a fair description? 
Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the one thing that I would say is I'm generally competitive with myself and I use others to kind of gauge if that's good or not. So, you know, I really do the things that are really within that I can compare myself. So like running is a big thing that I do because I think it's good for me. It mentally prepares me every morning. And in order to measure myself, I really do it through time. Like what kind of times can I run or can I finish it? So yeah, I'm super competitive, but it really is within myself. Like I root everybody else on, on, and I'm one of those people that don't believe that chopping down others makes me better. Only me makes me better. Uh, great points. And I, I think that, uh, having that component of, uh, health, you know, it really goes a long way, uh, because we're in this industry that's very new and we're playing the long game. And I think to be successful long term, you know, you have to have uh, some sort of balance or some sort of, you know, additional components. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, so I a little background on me, I'm I grow plants for a living. So I actually run a business that my family started in 1865. So we're in central Illinois on flat, fertile ground, and I have 120 acres where I grow flowers and trees and shrubs. And one of the things you learn early when you grow plants, and especially trees, is patience. Because when I plant a tree, I take a seedling and I put it in the ground, and in order for me to reap that tree, I have to wait three to seven years. You know, I, was, I posted the other day on Twitter that I plant a boxwood cutting. It takes me seven years till I get to sell it. So if you don't have patience, you don't get to make the true rewards and being in the nursery business really helped me in, in my other assets where I know the patients. Uh, that's an excellent point. And one I would like to emphasize to the ENS community that, I mean, that there are domainers that have held on to assets for 10, 20 years and, you know, only then are really reaping the rewards. Uh, I mean, I think that it's so easy to get caught up in the short term, uh, but this is a long-term game. Um, so with that, uh, Shane, can you talk about, like from a, a high level, what differences do you see between DNS and, and ENS? Well, I think, I think it really does come down to utility and its use. And of course, this is an ever-changing thing. But for me, when it comes to an ENS domain, the first thing that I thought about of, of its use for me, and a lot of people are missing this early, is the original point of the ENS domain was to be a wallet address that can be much easier to use and to spell than uh, you know the long digit typical uh, wallet address. And so when you're looking for one, the first thing I wanted to look for was what is the simplest, easiest, memorable identity that I can take around that if I do use it as a wallet address that they're not going to mess up and they'll certainly remember. So when it came to zeros and ones and L's, I got a little nervous with that because that's the whole point of the address is so that when I give it to you, you're going to get me my money because we conceivably could be talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And I was looking for a names that represented me, but yet were super small. And that came back to numerics. It's a worldly thing. It is something that the whole world uses. We don't all speak the same languages. We don't generally use the same alphabet. But when it comes to numerics, we generally share that. So that's a really good start to what we're talking about. Yeah, Shane, that, that is really helpful for the community. I think that 
to some degree, it's overlooked that, you know, we don't realize how important that is. Uh, I mean, if it's the sending, receiving of value in the thousands of dollars, uh, you, you want to make sure that, you know, there's no issues with that and having a clean, short, easy to spell, easy to remember, you know, domain uh, or, you know, address is, is really crucial. Uh, and I think what makes it kind of difficult for people, you know, and including myself to kind of realize that is there's so much utility in, in ENS. I mean, there's the Web3 identity, there's, you know, the flex, there's login and so on and so forth. So I think what you're saying is, you know, go back to the basics, right? Like really, what was the, the initial utility of this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're, you have to start with that because the other utility we're, we're looking down the road, we're talking about subdomains or maybe being able to use it on a browser at some point. But right now what we're looking at is flex and that's super valuable. I mean, we've all proven that in the NFT world and, and having a really cool name and identity is worth a lot of money to people, but it's also a digital wallet and that you can't have something that's really cool. Like to get a hack on a, a wallet address to me seems absolutely stupid. It's a good way to lose a lot of money unless you never plan on using it that way. Doesn't mean it's not cool. But again, I've been down this road. I've been down the domains as a utility for, for web addresses. We wanted to not get too cutesy. Now we still drop some vowels. Like it's very popular in the domain world uh, in the DNS to have like deliver, DLVR, something along those lines. And, and people will eventually get that. But we're, it's a little different use in this case. So there are things I think that are not great choices. Um, but I'll let you go deeper into that. But we start with the utility that we know now, and then we get excited about the future utility and maybe work towards that. But you got to start with its real use right off the bat. Yeah, and adding to that, I would say for me, what is super exciting to imagine is, you know, these hundreds of millions of creators that right now, you know, they don't receive much uh, because the big platforms you know, take everything or the majority of it. But, you know, over time, I see that changing. And how are all these hundreds of millions of creators in this creator economy going to get paid? You know, it's going to be through, a, you know, an ENS name. Uh, that's how they're going to, that's what they're going to have in their profile. And that's how they're going to receive, uh, you know, capital and whatnot. So, I mean, to me, that use case is, is very clear. Yeah, and I, I do, again, that's super, a super important, valuable part of ENS. You know, I think you're going to face in the future some headwinds. There's going to be standard DNS like .xyz is making it to the point where you will be able to use that for a wallet address. So you have to, you have to really look, you know, you don't want to get the hopium involved in there and not see the outside that there could be other challenges and outside things. So you just really need to take a full picture of what you're looking at and why why you should invest in it. Well, if you were to speculate how corporations might use a .eth address versus a .com. So clearly the .com is their website, um, their main site. Um, how might they use a .eth address, um, would you imagine? So I think it'll be an add-on, a tag-along. 
Um, it's, it's no different than the alternative alt uh, TLDs. So having like a, you know, another .io or .xyz to go with their .com. Uh, I do, coming from the domain world, I think it's not a good business model to buy domains of corporation in hopes to sell them to them. That has never been successful. The losses are much greater than the wins. You're always better off going with generics, going with great brands, things that you would brand and not taking brands that have already spent millions of dollars to establish themselves. You know, if you were if you were doing something and you had spent a lot of money and time and effort to it and then someone tries to sell you your fame back, let's call it that. Uh, it's not something that you'd want to happen to you. And so, yes, they have millions of dollars or billions of dollars, but the general way to make money is to establish your own brand or get a generic term or get a cool word and, and go that route. I think it's a much better business model. Did I lose you there, guys? Yeah, okay. No, no. Um, uh, no can can you guys hear me now? Yeah, James. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Hear. I think I, my mic wasn't working. Um, yeah, I was saying that I, I think that the recent Domain episode, I mean, the Domain Sherpa episode that you're on was really insightful in terms of um, lessons learned. And there is one story in particular you told that really uh, – caught my full like really got me excited which was your success and experience with numeric domains um if i recall correctly you had acquired a uh, quite a few four number dot coms at very low cost and then flipped them within a couple of years for a lot of profit that really fueled your subsequent venture yeah so uh and again we we're trying to come up with the dates we think it was about 2015 so I'd gotten into the space, you know, I bought my first domain in 99, but I really didn't get involved in the space until 2009, 2010, when I started a domain blog. And I got involved in domains because there was a one blog called Four Letter Noob, and the entire blog was about four letter uh, dot coms. And it was really turning it into the stock market that these letters had value. So he gave them points like this like the uh, Scrabble board. And if it had more points, it meant it was a worse letter. So the Scrabble, you know, is kind of based on if it's, a, if it's an X or a different value, they have more points because they're harder to make words out of. And he essentially turned in history of domains selling and what they sold for and put value, value. So it became almost a stock market uh, game. And that got me interested in numerics. And nobody was looking very much in numerics because they weren't words. But I thought to myself, this is an international thing. So I went and started buying four number dot coms and I was paying roughly 500 to a thousand dollars. And then the Chinese market started valuing four number dot coms. It became a true uh, value play. They were buying them and treating them as assets and building portfolios. And a website called four dot cn. Uh, started trading four numbers. It was pretty much primarily short four number, three number dot coms trading for each day. The value kept growing and growing to the point where I, within a year they were three thousand to four thousand, and eventually grew to twenty five to fifty thousand dollars for four numbers and three numbers got up to the point where they were selling for five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars. So the value became really 
large within a couple of years. And I was able to sell, I think my most was $30,000, so $500 to $30,000. But I was acquiring 10 or 15 or 20 of these and, and flipping them pretty easily on, on sites like 4.cn and GoDaddy and Namejet and all these other marketplaces. But, but Shane, um, back then, like from what I understand about the industry, uh, people didn't see any value in numerics or very little value. Like what, what was there like a light bulb moment for numerics? Uh, because I mean, to me, that was like the original, you know, story of numerics. China, 100% China. When China decided that it was an asset, the market exploded. They controlled the entire market. It got to a point where even on four letter dot coms, they were going for $3,000. But here's the key. Chinese don't like vowels. So if it had a vowel in it, it didn't have any value. It was worth 300 to $500. They wanted consonants. And it didn't care if it was an X or they didn't like V. So V was another one. So take out V. I take that back. Every consonant but V uh, it was worth $3,000. So there was a period of time between 2015 and 18 where there was a stock market of four number.com or four letter.coms, three letter.coms, and then numerics as well. It was an incredible time. Tools were built, money was flowing, new records set every single day. And you can go to a site, a very valuable site for all of you to look at the history of .com, just called NameBio, NameBio.com. And you can search the history of all domain sales, every publicly reported domain sale. And you kind of get a feel of what your name is worth on a .com market and kind of translate that over to .eth. There is some translation in value. So you can really see the market. And I think you'll find when you see the four, the numeric four number and three number dot coms that the highest prices are all going to be in that time period. You're going to see a, that time period being where all the high sales were. If you could um, elaborate a little bit more on the, the 4n.com story. So uh, you start acquiring them and then after how long did they start you know, like, uh, did you start selling them and were you able to consistently acquire them over time or did you like get a whole bunch at once and then waited for the market? So I started with a package of 10 I bought from someone for $5,000. So it was $500 a piece. And that was a lot of money for me back then. And I was sporadically getting other ones, but that, that was the mark. 500 to $1,000 was a going rate at that time. Uh, for a four number.com. Within six months, the Chinese market started picking up, not in the United States, but over in China. So I was having to use a translator at 4.cn. They barely even had an English version of it. It was all in Chinese, but the prices were considerably higher over there. So you could acquire them here and sell them over on 4.cn. And eventually I worked out a, a partnership with 4.cn to start promoting them on my website because nobody knew how to do it and they eventually put an English website. But literally within six months, they started going up to the point where then I'd have to pay a thousand and then it was upwards of three thousand. But I was pretty much out of names and money at that point. I wasn't reinvesting. Once it hit about three thousand, I got a little nervous on my returns. And honestly, I, I would have been a millionaire had I just done nothing. So that's the, that's the other story behind this. If I'd have just taken my 25 to 54 number.coms and done nothing and waited a couple of years, I, would, I could have sold them all for a million dollars plus. 
but I, I sold them for $3,000 and $2,500 and $5,000 because it was such a good return and I needed the money. So, you know, the, the best way to make money is to be an unmotivated seller. If you don't need the money, that's where you can really peek out. Now, of course, you can miss it if you sold them and waited all the way through this high period, then I wouldn't be able, they, they're worth today 10000 to 15000 for a fournumber.com unless it's a super special pattern in the dot com. So obviously I would have lost a lot of money held, had I held even longer. So it's easy to look back. But in general, there was a long period of time of years that I could have sold those easily for $25,000 or more each. But as far as making money, it really came within six months of me purchasing those names. Uh, Shane, how, how much uh, liquidity was there? Um, and how did it kind of evolve from 2015 until now for the four digit.coms and what it's do you the, and, and 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 what can you say ahead. about uh, uh liquidity in general the fact that this is a 10k collection or even the three digits like uh how much does that into this whole decision so liquidity is everything uh there was no more liquid asset than four number three number and four number dot coms and four letter Dot coms. There was no more liquid. During 2015, 2018, you could sell it within 30 seconds. That's how valuable. Were you going to get premium price? No. But you could put it on Namejet, uh, even GoDaddy, but Namejet was a really good one. You put it on Namejet for auction and it was going to get crushed to the point where on Namejet, there is an account called First. So, and I, I think I can sell this public because I think this is kind of uh, public knowledge. So there's an account called First. That that account is a website in China, and that website in China puts everything that was on Namejet, meaning the numerics, and they could bid on their website. So they would bid on their particular website in China, and then whoever won the auction, if they won it on Namejet, that name then came back to the website in China, and extended for two more days. And the way that website made money is once that name came back to the website, they would make the difference between the price at namejet.com and the final selling price two days later. That's how valuable and how much market there was. Is they could Not only could they have auctions and sell it instantly, but they could extend it two more days and get even more money. So their liquidity was incredible and still is incredible. You could sell a fournumber.com instantly uh, for eight to $15,000 within a week if you needed to, even within a day. Um, ENS names, on the other hand, do sell. But like anything else, when the prices get to a point where people can't afford it, liquidity goes down. So we're looking at the, you know, the, the uh, 999 club. When you're at 24 ETH or 32 ETH or whatever we're at right now, it becomes an expensive play. And the the returns aren't as good, so the liquidity is down quite a bit on that. But the liquidity on fournumber.com looks pretty good. They're selling pretty much daily, and there's a market for that. So I, I see the liquidity in fournumber.eth names being very good for a while. Wow, so many lessons in there. Let me just share my thoughts on uh, the points you made, Shane. Uh, so one is um, when you talked about China, I think it's very important to understand that we're in a global market and, you know, you really have to think about where's demand currently, where is it coming from? Uh, is it primarily in the West? Is it equally in the West and the East? Like, 
the ENS community, you know, uh, needs to know like how the global dynamics play out because that could have a huge effect on the industry, on pricing, on your investing and trading strategy. Um, another lesson and observation, uh, Shane, from what you said was the importance of really hustling, like making things happen, like how you worked with the translator, like not a lot of people would do that, you know, like uh, that in my mind is what separates certain entrepreneurs, like they they make things happen, they're very resourceful. Um, and a, a third point would be is uh, patience, you know, how, how important that is and how difficult that is. Uh, I mean, we're kind of hardwired for immediate gratification. I mean, it's very difficult to patiently wait for years and years. Um, and I think that also ties into investing versus trading, right? Like, I think it's important for you to know, are you wired to be an investor for the long term? Or are you more wired for being a trader where you're quickly flipping, you're not making a lot, but you keep adding to your stack? Uh, Shane, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I have, this sounds awful when I say it, but I'll, I'll kind of explain myself as I go. So when it comes to a job and the, and the amount you're paid, it really comes down, the salary that you're going to receive, it comes down to the ability to replace you. So if you are, if you empty garbage cans and there's only three people in the area that are able to do that, you're going to make more money than the doctor if there's a hundred people that have gone to school to become a doctor. So it really doesn't come down to your actual skill set. It really comes down to the amount of people that have that skill set that can replace you. So that comes, that's exactly the same thing with domains. So domains value comes down to two things. How hard is it for it to replace a domain that is similar to what you have? Can they add an S to it? Can they get another word that represents the same thing? Can they put an adjective on it and still exude the same brand? And second, the marketplace. How many people want your name? If you're selling it to somebody that only one person has it or has that name or only 50 people, then your value goes down because if you miss those 50 people, then there's nobody else to sell it to. So you want as big of a market. And so that's where it comes down to words that are one word brands. Those are going to be your most valuable. The most amount of people want that and it's harder to replace. Uh, adding to that, Shane, um, if we look at four number dot ETHs uh, and we look at three number dot ETHs, like there's a big gap in pricing, floor pricing, right? Um, what, what would you imagine would happen like when eventually two number dot ETHs come out? So obviously uh, there'll be the shorter is always more valuable, or I shouldn't say always, but generally is more valuable because it's easier to remember. And when it comes to uh, ENS names, it's even more valuable because we're talking a uh, uh, memorizing a wallet address. And again, I come back to that because that really at this point is the most important. The other thing is pattern. So when I when I first started doing numerics, I actually looked for ones that were the easiest to type on a keyboard, like which numbers, if I were going to type, were closest to each other and I could remember easy, easy, or did they spell a word? Now, I don't know if that's as important today, but I always had, I wanted to make it as easy to type in as possible. So I think when it comes to numerics, obviously shorter and two number are going to be incredible, two letter if those come out. 
But I think patterned memorable memorability, that to me is the most important. Now, I think you should still be very aware of billions of people in China. They love eights. Eights are easy to see, e uh, easy to remember. They're not going to be, you're not going to mistype an eight. And, uh, and then patterns. You, you know, I, one of the ones I put up there, 8877, to me, that's super easy to remember. It's almost as easy as remembering, I'm just going to make up a number, like 803. Um, I want something that you're not going to forget. So I think that those patterns are, are going to always be your most valuable. And then if you can cater to your biggest market of China, I think it makes it even more valuable. Uh, Shane, when, when there, there's a saying I really like, you know, um, you always, and I, I think this comes from comes from sports. You know, you always pay homage to those who came before you, right? When you think about the early pioneers, like the early guys in the domain industry that succeeded over time, because it's like a, a professional sport, right? Like you start off with a lot of people, say you know, playing little league, then the number narrows to high school, then it narrows to college, then there's that elite small number at, you know, Major League Baseball. Uh, when you think about the people that made it, rose through that, through the ranks, so to speak, um, what were their qualities? Like, did they have, like, great intuition? Were they great at execution? Were they better at risk-taking? Did they have some innate valuation skills? Um, like, cause you've seen and known uh, a lot of these people over the years. Um, how would you describe them? Tenacious, uh, tenacious. Some of the best. So there's a, there's kind of a mix in, in domain world, but the, the successful ones are like Rick Schwartz and Andrew Rosner, two of the most successful people in the history, tens of millions of dollars made. And in part of my language, but almost every response internally and sometimes externally is met with fuck you. Like, nah, this is worth a lot of money. They believed in their names. They, they, they knew their names had tons of value. And until you got to the number that they agreed to, it wasn't yours. It's your asset. You can sell whenever you want. And those two guys always held for their numbers, always knew the value. And so it's served them well. Uh, Gary Chernoff is a name you're not going to hear or read much about. He's exactly the same way, but on a much quieter. He just won't say anything. You just When you get to his number, he'll let you know. He's not going to tell you F off. He's not going to say anything. But he's not moving until you get to those numbers. So the, the common, you know, the personalities are diverse. Uh, some amazing people in the domain space. Some of my best friends are uh, there. Michael Seiger, who's in the audience, is one of the kindest, most generous uh, he's been on, on this, uh, this, I say show before, but, um, he's been on before and he's, he's did the, the amazing domain Sherpa that's, that we're on today. They are diverse, but the common is when you get to the number, I'll let you know, and they're patient and they wait and it's years. And, and in our cases, decades, we've held names for decades waiting for people to get to that number because we know it's solid. Now we're going to move some intermediate names. So that's the other thing is, so we've got our main names and then we've got our side names that are for the flip. So we've built up enough portfolio over the year. We all start the same way. We sell some names in the beginning to, to get some capital. But as we get going, we, we can afford to hold and wait for the true value of our assets. And that's a common 
thing you're going to see in all of our the the domain kings, if you will. And uh, adding to that, Shane, would you say it's it's fair to to say that um, always better off focusing on quality, like better to have a small number of really good names than a lot of mediocre names? I, I think that's a good general sentiment, but I will say there are a lot of ways to skin this cat. So there are people um, like Michael Seiger, and again, keep bringing him up his face in, in the crowd but you know there are points where he had 10 names or less and so his names are always six-figure assets but then i have a person that i work with on dsad josh eisenhower who has twenty thousand names and he is, has an innate ability of picking names that you and i would laugh at and again these are in dot com so it's a little bit different than dot eth there's not quite the liquidity there yet but he was able to find back in the day hand registrations, meaning $8, $10 domains, and drop names that were other people let go and, and picking them up and selling them for $500 or $1,000. And there is this is math. This is basic math. The cost of renewals of the domains, the cost of acquisitions has to be less than the sales for obviously for this to all make sense. And he's done an amazing job of keeping those the that revenue above those costs and just puts it back into the portfolio. And, and now the names he bought a decade ago are actually worth way more than when he bought them. And even though that being said, you'd still look at his portfolio and go, well, there's some good names in here, but there's 19,000 names that I would never buy. And he's been successful and there are others like him. So I, I agree with you from the standpoint, and especially in .eth, I think you stick with quality because I don't think the liquidity is there for these alternate names or longer names. But in the DNS space, there's a lot of different people doing different ways of making money in the space. But for .eth, 100% with you. Stick to the quality. Stick to the shorter. Um, stick to the names that have liquidity at this point. Yeah, great, great points. I, I totally agree. And I would just add to that by saying, um, you know, it's very important to know who you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Like some of us are just innately wired to hold for the long term and some of us were better off you know with quick turnover um some of us have a different set of skills so just knowing where you fall on that spectrum i think is really helpful um but shane in order to know which ones to to keep for the long term and which ones to let go sooner you have to have a good understanding of valuation like how would you describe the difference between a million dollar name versus like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar name, like six versus seven figures? Yeah, so it's a little easier in the in the DNS world, but we're, since we're here talking about ENS, I think that we're talking, you know, so first of all, I have I have no risk aversion at all. Like I I am one of those people that lets my winners run and often let them run to zero, even though they were up big. I, I'm a former, before I joined my family business, I was an options trader and I was taught to be very careful with my money. And the reason I didn't, wasn't very successful is I am, I'll let it go. Like, I just don't care if it goes to zero. I always felt that I could always make more money later. So I'm willing to try and hit a home run every time. I, I'm the guy that when you, you know, you sign him to your team that slugs 45 home runs and bats 180. 
that's just who I am. And I've always known that. And I, I, that's how I work. So for instance, and, and I'll get to your answer, but when I first came into ENS, I bought, I bought a three number dot ETH for three ETH, which at the time was about 9,000. And I sold it for um, like 70,000 within a couple weeks. And I knew at that point that I'm in the game now and I'm on the house money and I can really play. So when I do things, I really do like to sell a couple things early to get a feel for the game, if you will, and, and then establish what, what it, where we're going. Since .eth was so new, I really wanted to profit and not get too caught up in it because I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to go. But the difference between at this point between a six and seven is going to be how special the average person thinks it's not, you know, there's going to be these ones that you're going to make money. There's, there's domains that sell that you don't understand the price because it always comes down to how bad does the other side want it? And that's not a judgeable thing. You can't judge the fact that maybe somebody made $20 million in crypto and wants his dog's name and is willing to pay you hundred thousand for it. You'll never be able to to judge those kind of sales those are impossible but what is possible to judge is 888.eth and 8888 you know 48 we have proven in history that those names are as valuable as it gets to the chinese community we've proven that blue.eth and red.eth and colors and simple terms are as valuable as words can get so that's what we're looking at is words that the everybody can agree that is in our vernacular every day. So those are the truly special names. When not everybody agrees or not everybody uses those words on a daily basis, then we're getting into second tier names. And second tier can still be hundreds of thousands, but it's not a name that we're all going to sit at a party and go, damn, that's a nice name. Yeah, great points. And like sometimes you read about a domain sale and it shocks you. How, how could it possibly sell for so much? Like, I believe uh, not long ago, bird.com sold for millions of dollars. I mean, bird.com, like, hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, and that's not as, as surprising as you'll, you'll see a lot of names that, that sell for 100000 that you don't even know what it means or even heard the word. But it's a company that operated, let's say, in Europe and had millions of dollars of sales and they want to move over to a dot-com global brand. So they had the assets to pay. So that's the thing is the surest way to get the money a good price is to ask a good price. You'll never get a million dollars unless you ask a million dollars. All that being said is, if you have a name that there's only 10 people that are going to buy and you're asking a million dollars, you might have missed the opportunity to sell it for $1,000 in profit. So that's where the expertise comes in. That's where the experience comes in, knowing when to hold and know, winning, know when to sell. And that this is a new space. Our when to hold and when to sell in .eth is way different than .com as it is di different than XYZ as it is .io. There's different markets, different people buying, different liquidity. And to be, a, to be truly good at the, in this space, you have to know your market. And .eth is a little bit of a different market. But what we don't want to get caught up in is, is we talk all day about what could and what should and what can be the future. Um, that's easy. We can all make that up. But the reality is how many people want your name where it stands right now? Uh, Shane, can you give us some negotiating pricing advice in the sense that like when, when guys like you, Rick or Andrew um, have interest, 
in a, a great one word generic dot com. Um, how do you guys play it? Like, do you say uh, someone comes to you says, I want to I'm interested in acquiring your name. They have their contact info. You know, it's somewhat legit. How do you guys play it? Because I think that's important for people to, to know. Yeah, so, so obviously you're going to start at your optimum price. Now, ENS is a little different in the fact we don't truly have a good negotiation platform right now. So they're going to make an offer in WEATH uh, uh, that, that gives you, I guess, an opening offer. And you can counter on OpenSea at this point. But it's not a true verbal negotiation, so it's much more difficult to truly gauge. You don't know who your other side is. You know nothing about them. You can't go through their email. You can't go through um, their IP address. You can't, you really get no feeling who's on the other side. So the, the buyer kind of has an advantage from that standpoint when it comes to ENS domains. But when it comes to .com, it's, it's like any negotiated. There are people that are way better. Andrew and, and Rick are 50 times a negotiator I am. I fold because I think, you know, I have a thousand dollars in it and somebody's gonna give me twenty-five thousand. I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it into something else. They they are this is what they do for a living, and they are really good at getting the maximum price. That being said, there's times to sell, and you can see in Andrew that he is willing to give up a name that he's ready to move on. Rick's not giving up. You're gonna give him his price. It doesn't matter if it's the shittiest domain. If it's in his portfolio, he's gonna get a price that when you see it is going to shock you. And that's what he does so well. And he, and he often gets it. But when it comes to negotiation, always start, you always start with where you want to be and then keep up the words. The one thing that I like to, when I tell people when I am negotiating or even having any negotiation of any type, whether it's domains or plants or anything, I always end every email with a question because a question brings them back to the conversation so that we can keep the conversation going. It means I'm interested. I have a, here's a question for you. Please get back to me. And I find that when I ask a question at the end, not getting too like, how do you feel about that? I don't get anything that simple. I do put some uh, personality to it, but I find that open communication about where I'm at. I don't have, I generally don't explain. Like if I have to explain to you why it's valuable, then we're not in the same place anyway. I, I, I don't do that. I don't say this is, this is registered in 57 different extensions and it's valued. So I don't get into that. You're buying the domain. You figure out why you think it's valuable. I don't have to tell you. If I have to tell you, you're probably not going to pay my price anyway. But in general, I like to keep the conversation open, let them know where I'm at. And then it's for me to decide whether I can get them up to that point. Yeah. And adding um, one more point to that uh, in terms of uh, important you know, components of being successful in uh, this industry. I think social capital is really important, like knowing uh, the industry and being able to learn from them. Uh, like I've read that the domain industry has a lot of conferences and has had them for over 10, 15 years now. And, you know, like that social capital can really help, you know, in deal making and improving your, your knowledge and experience. Can you talk about the role of networking, social capital, and, and who you know? So you've, you've hit a good point. So not only social capital, but if others know you have capital. So if others have a domain and they get to a point where they need quick money, there are certain people that they turn to who they know, one, knows the value of a, a, value of a good name, 
and will give you instant money. And you can avoid, in some cases, I mean, you have to be careful, but escrow. So if it's a smaller name, people know who I am. They'll send me the name before I send the money because they know that I'm going to pay them. So with ENS, we don't have to worry about that so much because there is no escrow. It's done. It's crypto. We don't need escrow. But 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 other, you know, uh, names in the DNS space, we, we have to do escrow if the numbers get high. But that's where social capital, there are people like Andrew probably gets to see more names than anybody else because they know that, it, that he will buy it if it's a good name and they can get out and move. There was a point in time where there were people that made a living hunting names for Andrew and other people. They would search out the names, find the good names, and then sell them or, or show them to domain buyers in exchange for a fee. So you actually had people hunting good names for people. I think that's going to be the case in ENS names. Eventually, there will be people that can find value and, and maybe somehow discuss prices and get them to people that actually have the, have the capital and get paid some ETH for finding you know, the actual sellers. You know, that's, that's down the road. But that's a market. So I think having social capital, meaning that people trust you, people know that you have the money to buy their assets. Uh, it also will hurt you in the fact that you're going to get spammed with tens of thousands of names and DMs and things like that because they're trying to sell you shitty names. I mean, just look at every thread that says, hey, I'm looking to spend two ETH on a name. Look, look what's in there. It gets kind of ugly from that standpoint. But social capital does you get first, first buy advantage. Uh, Shane, can you talk about the importance of, um, you know, continually learning and stacking knowledge? Like, is it fair to say that guys who have been successful in the industry, even after years in the industry, they're always like continuing to learn, meet people, pick up new skills that like, it's a process. I mean, look at us, look at, look at Michael Seiger and I, we're in, we're in here talking about .eth names. That is a year ago. We nobody is talking about this. You are always. You should always be looking for uh, where. And again, I hate to use a term, but where the money is, where the action is. You should always be learning about new markets, new assets, new ways of doing things, new tools. Um, if you're in, uh, if you're in. DNS names and you're not using expired domains.net, you're not good at your, your craft yet because it's a tool that allows you to search all the auctions and all the names and get all the history and get all the backlinks and get everything you need to make a good decision. We're just now getting that with ens.vision. We talked about today quite a bit. Um, they're building tools that I think are fantastic. People are using that to also build categories. That's the hardest part is searching right now, is searching for domains and prices. Uh, we, we don't have a really good system. We, we have to manually kind of look through everything. But people are building tools to help us find more information. So, yeah, you're always learning. That's how you get better is to... You know, my, I'm kind of known for this. I own uncomfortable.com, but I always felt that you have to get into that realm of risky and uncomfortable to be a little better. You know, there's stupidity, which is right beyond uncomfortable, but in that fringe, uncomfortable is where all the great things happen, where you learn the new things and you feel a little nervous. That's a great feeling. When you're a little nervous going into something, there's a really good chance great things are going to happen. 
Uh, great point, Shane. Uh, my last question before I hand it back to my co-host and we l then open it up to the audience. Uh, my last question is, I've, from what I've gathered, like you've been early in a number of promising industries. So, you know, let's start with domains, then, uh, you know, NFTs. Um, and now, like, you've had some great traction with uh, .eth and ENS. Um, how do you how do you identify what's real versus what's a fad, right? Like there's a million new industries. There's quantum computing. There's, you know, just hydrogen power, so on and so forth. What do you look for or what causes you to say this is legit, not a fad? Yeah, I am. I've always said I'm the guy that likes to see lines forming. So I'm a, if, if I'm walking down the street and I see four people waiting in line, I'm always going to go look in the business to see why they're waiting in line. And, and I also, when people talk with enthusiasm about something and it really doesn't matter what it is, if it's just one person that shows an incredible emotion and enthusiasm about something, I dig in a little deeper because it takes a lot of time and energy to showcase that museum. So that means he or she really think that's special. And generally, I found that nobody's alone in this world. So if that person thinks it's something special, there's probably others. And so I want to find out why they think it's special. And so I do a lot of rabbit hole searching. I, I'm in retail business, so my plant, I get to hear, I'm on a university campus here at University of Illinois. So I get a lot of brilliant people that come through, and I, and I do a lot of talking. I, I know... I know that it seems like I do all the talking, but I also do listening. So I love to hear people tell their stories, what they're excited about. I love to go on Twitter and see what people are enthusiastic about and excited about. And I pay attention. Like that's the most important is to pay attention and to listen to what other people are excited about in life. And then see if, if for me, I can see if I can make money on it. So um, that's kind of how I approach things is just keeping my eyes wide open, listening for the emotion and the excitement. And then being a 53-year-old man, I'm able to, to understand what is excitement and being naive and what's hopium and what is dreaming versus things that are about to develop. And so that's where my education and my age and my experience comes in to be able to differentiate just pure joy over, over pure joy with a, something behind it. Oh, so, so fascinating. Um, I'll hand it over to my co-host. Thank you, James. Uh, what a great episode. I think uh, we have to listen to this again. It was packed with uh, really good insights. Before, uh, for the audience, please go ahead and request if you have any questions for Shane. Uh, and, and before we do that, uh, I have a question about what do you think is going to be the timeline? I mean, for ENS in general, but also for the 10K collection, like, uh, are we? Uh, it's going to depend, obviously, on the macro uh, market. But what do you think? Like six to twelve months, we should see more movement. Uh, what do you think about adoption? So that's what I, I wanted to know. I think so. The, I'll, I'll tell you my excitement and my fear. My excitement is that the NFT uh, community and industry is taking it on as an identity. So they are the .eth, I think, has become an identity that everybody will use. So everybody within our industry 
is searching for that name that makes him feel special. The only thing at this point that makes me a little nervous is we're trading amongst ourselves. So that's something you have to watch out for is that the market is moving back and forth. You're playing hot potato with names. And what we really want to see are people new to the space wanting the, the .eth names because that's really where the money is, is outside money creates the, creates the true value and keeps prices rising. But I do think that the cream of the crop is these one word uh, .eth and the numerics. And so I, my personal feeling is a, a three number .eth is probably going to be a $100,000 value. So whatever ETH is at, whatever that translates, to me, that's the number. And at that price, it gets a little bit more difficult um, because, of, because of how much money it is and whether people want to use that in addition to their visual uh, personal you know, PFP. So they're going to need both. So are they going to be able to afford a punk or an ape or something special and a, a, a very expensive .e? I think the top tier will definitely do that. Uh, I think there are definitely more than a thousand people that want that. But I think that we need more people to come in to truly get the values, you know, into the million dollars. I think that's going to, I don't see that yet. But so the time frame, I think we're doing great. I, I mean, it's amazing how fast we've ramped up. We don't want to get the momentum getting too high and then kind of fall off a cliff. And I don't see that at all. I think this continues. I think this will be a part of, I will think it's a part of what we are in, in crypto and DeFi. I think .eth has established itself as the name to have. So I, I see a good future. I see it lasting for years. I don't see this falling off a cliff. But what I do see is the values moving slowly higher up and down. I don't see tra a huge trajectory at this point with my personal opinion. That's awesome. That's really good to know. Um, I don't see any requests from the audience. We'll give it a couple more minutes. If there was, if there is no questions, we'll go ahead and end the space. Um, but yeah, uh, Shane, what do you think about the uh, ETH merge that's coming up, and how how would that affect things? And also, how would the price of Ethereum uh, impact the ENS prices? I mean, I I don't know if there is a relationship, and and how would you uh, talk about that? Yeah, people hate the way I value things. I, I still value in dollars. Um, people people say an ETH is an ETH, but m my tax guy didn't agree with that. So, um, and my bills didn't didn't agree with that. So, I still price things in ETH, and then and then do the math. Um, I it doesn't correlate real well. So, think when people it's funny when ETH price goes up they don't they still lower it to match the dollar but when eth goes down they still lower it as well so it it seems it seems like the price of eth and things don't really correlate they're not saying i need to keep it valued at x dollars uh or euro i don't think people do that i think they're really bad at that kind of but as far as um the merge you know, I don't know. I, I, there's definitely a lot of trading and value going up because of it. Um, and, and gas fees are a huge problem. I mean, until the crypto winter quote we had lately, uh, the fees for ETH were just too high. I mean, it was holding back projects and holding back the ability to move money back and forth 
uh, actually moving ETH back and forth, it wasn't that expensive. But when it comes to NFT projects and certain things, it, it made it very costly. And it was forcing people to write creative code, which gets a little dangerous when they're trying to, to maximize gas fees. I think Merge will take that all away and make things pretty cheap. But we don't want things too cheap. That's the other thing people forget. We want there to be a cost to doing transactions. We don't want it to be like Solana. That's the downside of Solana. It was so cheap. People are just blasting projects, blasting events and making it almost like a DDoS attack. So we want it to have some cost to it. We don't want it to be dirt cheap. Uh, we, we need to have you know, s- some value there to keep people from, from just you know, writing scripts that just uh, attack each event. But we don't need to be paying $173 to mint a $60 NFT. So I think from that standpoint, I think it's going to be pretty, fa- pretty fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, there, sh- there should be a cost, and that's going to filter for quality. Um, CryptoReporter.eth, go ahead. Hey, everybody. GM, GM. Uh, my name is uh, Crypto Reporter. Uh, I was also a Web3 intern. Um, thank you, ENS Academy, for hosting the space. Um, thank, thank you, Sugar, for being here. NFTverse, Michael. Um, a lot of people on on the stage so i'd love to see you guys but my question um sugar for you would be you you've seen the industry kind of evolve in a sense and i know that you're saying that the that you know at a certain point in time it was actually hard to do like translations when it came to um translating and be able to speak to people from around the world i'm thinking that now that we've actually put the infrastructure in place to be able to connect with people uh, just internationally, right? And that since more people are aware of what .com is and, you know, its uh, capabilities and more people are kind of aware of what these things do since they have something to look back to, I'm thinking, will this, the fact that we are, I would say, more in a more connected space than we were during the... Um, during, uh, I guess, the, the, the rise of the domains, do you think that East or dot East perhaps will stay in that same range or because of the utility, the fact that it is an, a different type of identity um, that these may actually um, perhaps surpass depending on its, uh, I guess, its use case. But um, yeah, th- thank you for that. Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. I, I do think that it does come down to its use. So until it's more than a wallet address, it's never going to come close to a .com or a, whatever a major uh, TLD at the time is. I, I, it, I think it's quite a ways from there. I think that's exciting because there's lots of opportunity. But I do think the utility um, is nowhere near there. That being said, it has become a flex that is equal to a dot-com to the community that we're here in front of. So to, to many, owning uh, ETH is just as valuable and cool as owning blue.com to somebody else because they don't really care about the dot-com. I do think that that has a whole new value that people don't understand that is truly new and is it's really tough to gauge, but it, it's 
no different than bored apes. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here with a monkey in front that is the ultimate flex. You know, when I when my daughter goes and introduces me to people, she doesn't tell them that I own botany.com or uncomfortable.com or blowtorch.com. She doesn't tell them that. She says my dad owns bored apes. He has a, a bunch of bored apes. So that's really a new value that is really hard to determine. So I think from that standpoint, .eth has a really good chance to bridge that value gap that utility it doesn't have the utility to offer getting to the international thing i think we're getting back to the point where i originally said you want the biggest crowd the biggest market you have and and so i think it's great that you put a flag in front of numbers and i think you use foreign languages but you have to remember the people that want that are only those people so you've you've limited how many and that can be super valuable in that little market um but it's not as valuable as having something that everyone wants. And the English language, whether you agree with it or not, in my opinion, is the common language of the world. So to me, it kind of starts with that language. And that is the biggest market you can get. Once you get to the smaller ones, you're in a niche that, you know, I don't speak or I don't write Arabic. So I, when I look at it, it means nothing to me. So it doesn't interest me. So I won't be a buyer there. And you want more things that people like me are a buyer on. Thank you, Dr. Reporter. And uh, we're at time. So um, hopefully, Sugar Shane, um, you can just answer one last question we have. ETHGalaxy.eth, he has a question. I just want to say a few things. Thanks to the host for setting this up. This was really intelligent talk. I thought one thing was neat was how Sugar was explaining how he prices things in dollars. When when we're talking to these companies about buying and selling, they only they they might not know the full extent of .eth, and it might just ease the conversation to talk in dollars, um, or euros or whatever your jurisdiction is, as opposed to the crypto. They may want to own it as piece of IP, you know, companies are the largest hoarders of IP. And that may be okay for some of you if you need it to sustain your grails. And I just want to say this community is awesome. We're all doing this without any marketing department and we're building your domain is as much as you're going to get for it. And if you don't sell it, you build on it. Thank you. Uh, Sugar, you want to comment? Yeah, no, I, I, again, just on the dollar standpoint, I mean, I know that we're in crypto, but, and they'll still have to pay in crypto and all that. But yeah, you want to be, you want to be in the, the monetary form that they want to be in. Whatever your buyer is, if it, if the numbers work, I don't care how they pay me. That's the great thing about it. I don't care if they wire me. I don't care if they pay me in crypto. I don't care how they pay me. Um, as long as, as we reach the right number. So I think you need to be as versatile as you can. And crypto just added one more step to make things easier. Um, but it's also something not everybody feels comfortable. So, it, you know, we talked earlier about bringing outside people. Well, yeah, they want to invest in it. There's a reason why MoonPay exists. MoonPay takes people with a lot of money and gets them into the space and makes it safe for them. So I think this, um, you know, this white glove service is what a lot of companies are going to need as far as getting them over. But that's changing every day. They, they have more and more people that understand. And the younger the, younger the company, the more they're going to understand. Thank you, Sugar, Sugar Shane. Um, you know, thank you for your time. 
your generosity, with your ex expertise and insights. We learned a lot from you today. Uh, we hope to have you again on our spaces. And um, please go ahead, guys, and check out his Twitter. It's full of awesome updates, and, and his, uh, his bee business seems really cool. And so, you know, thank you again. And I want to thank everyone for joining us. We're going to upload the uh, last six episodes to iTunes and Spotify. Um, and once uh, Twitter releases the data for this space, for this episode, we'll also upload this one. Uh, we're going to announce our upcoming space coming up uh, at the end of the week. Uh, we, we're still kind of hashing out the final details. But with that, I'm going to end the space. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. It was such an awesome discussion. Thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful day. Yeah, th yeah. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hope to do it again. Thank you. Bye-bye.